Masechet Gitin Daf Samech Dalid. The next Mishnah is going to be about proving that a woman is divorced. Uh, standard way a woman would prove it is if she has the get in her hand. So then that proves that there is a get, and the fact that it's in her hand um, so means that she received it, and she's believed to say she received it properly, and she is divorced. But what if she does not have a get? Okay, then you're going to have to rely on witnesses. And so there be many scenarios of witnesses, and here we're going to talk about one. The woman says, I appointed this guy, this messenger, to, re- to receive the get on my behalf. Um, so that's not sufficient, just, just, uh, you know, just her testimony about that. We also need two sets of witnesses. One set of witnesses has to say that, yes, she appointed this um, messenger in front of us. That, that way we can verify that, yes, indeed, she appointed a messenger, Shaleach le Kabbalah. That's part one. Ushnai and the other two uh, witnesses uh, have to say, we saw that the husband gave it to this messenger, the messenger received it, and he ripped it up. We'll see why he ripped it up in the Gemara. Um, so that way, uh, um, that way we have testimony regarding the entire process. We know with two witnesses that this messenger was appointed to be a Shalik Kabbalah by the wife, and we have mes- two witnesses that the messenger indeed received the get properly, and so that's good proof. And you don't need these two sets of witnesses to be four people, even if it's the same two people that saw the appointment and saw the receiving, that is fine. Or there's three people altogether. One of the people saw both the appointment and the receiving, and he was joined together by one person for the appointment and by a different person for the receiving. That is also, as long as there's two people um, for each ceremony. Itmar. Baal Omer Pikadon Veshalish Omer Legerushin Mine Eman. Okay, now we have a, a, a different case. We're going to, this Gemara is going to come in during the discussion. Uh, this case is a husband uh, gave a get to a, a certain person, a third party. But the question is, what was his intention in giving it to him? The husband says, I gave it to him just to watch. Um, I said, hold on to this. I'm not sure if I'm going to use it yet or not. Maybe I'll call you later to give it to her. Maybe not. Right now, I just want you to hold it just as a deposit. That's what the husband says, and therefore, she's not divorced. However, that third party says, he gave it to me as, as a get to be a shaliach to go and give it to her. So according to that, assuming that he did go and give it to her, she would be divorced. So who is believed? Mineman. Ravuna Amar Baal Neeman. Ravuna says we trust the husband and therefore she's not divorced. Rav Chista Amar Shalish Neeman. Rav Chista says the third party is trusted that he gave it to her as a get and therefore she is divorced. Let's see the, the reasons. Ravuna Amar Baal Neeman. Im ita delegerushin yahaven nihale. Ledida havayahib la nihala. Ravuna says we should trust the husband because that it was a deposit. Because if he really gave it to the third party as a get, then why would he bother giving it to the third party? He could have just given it directly to the wife. We're assuming here that's talking about a case where they live close by, that it wouldn't be a, 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 re, a question of traveling. If it would be you know, just as easy for him to give it to the wife than to give it to the third party, then he would have given it directly if it was a get. 
Therefore, we should believe him because um, he says, no, I didn't. I gave it to a third party because I wanted him to hold on to it for me. Right? I wasn't going to be home. I wasn't going to watch it carefully. I wanted him to hold on uh, to, to, I wanted him to watch it for me. So that's Rav Huna's explanation. Rav Chista has a brilliant uh, 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 line of reasoning. He says we should believe the third party. You know why? Because the husband deemed him credible. The husband said, the husband gave the, let's say it was a deposit. Um, the husband gave it to that third party because the third party is a trustworthy person. You wouldn't give something valuable to someone unless you thought he was trustworthy. So therefore, the husband giving it to him itself testifies that even the husband considered this person trustworthy. Since this third party is trustworthy, even by the husband's own uh, admission, therefore, we should trust the third party when he says that the husband gave it to me as a get. So the husband's trust in, the, um, in this third party in, by the husband's uh, admission, giving it to him as a, as a deposit, actually undermines the husband's own claim. Well, if you think you, you said you gave it to deposit, that means you agree that he's trustworthy. If he's trustworthy, then we're going to trust his words over yours, and therefore it is a good get. All right. Mativ Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba is going to challenge Rav Huna. This is the husband is believed. So we have a tosefta regarding a monetary case um, that says the admission of the, of a litigant is like a hundred witnesses, right? If uh, someone, if a, if a litigant says, you know, they, I, I was paid already, or a litigant says, I owe the other person a hundred dollars, then we believe that person as if it was a hundred witnesses. But the third party is believed even more than any one of the litigants, right? Like, in, let's, let's say, an escrow holder. What would be an example case? Let's say you have two parties, two litigants. One says, you owe me uh, the certain sum of money. The other person says, no, I only owe you less than that. And there's a third party that's holding money in escrow. The third party is believed. Um, over any one of the litigants, no matter what they say. So this is a challenge to Ravuna. Ravuna says we don't believe the third party, but this Baraita says in the get this part, this Baraita says we do believe the third party regarding money. So we answer Money is different because it can be forgiven. In other words, any one uh, of the litigants can decide. You know what? I really think you owe me a hundred, but I'm willing to forego uh, that, and you only have to pay me fifty. Um, um, and therefore, since they put this money in escrow into this third party, uh, so in that way, they're trusting the third party and agreeing. Listen, whatever the third party says, that's what we'll end up agreeing to. And even if it's different from what I think is the truth, um, but I'll forgive uh, what I think is the truth. Even though I think you owe me more money, I'll forgive it. So a person has in his ability to forgive a sum of money and then uh, therefore agree to the third party. However, when it comes to a prohibition regarding a get, um, that's not in a person's power to say, oh fine, I'll agree that it's a get. It either, either is a get or not a get. This is a matter of, is, uh, of isur veheter, and therefore, um, we can trust the third party regarding money, where it's in the hands of the different parties to give that trust, and the third party, whatever he says is truth, they can make it true. But in regarding a get, you cannot make it true. And so we can't, it's not, even if we trust the third party, 
um, we um, uh, we have to we, we we can't fully trust the third party because if the husband says no, it's not true, um, the husband is not doesn't have the power to make the third party's claim true. Um, so therefore, we have to trust the husband and not the third party, according to Rav Huna. Uh, challenge to that. Hold on. There is a, another Braita, the same as this one, that says, and also, or a continuation of that Braita, that says, and also for a get, which means that we trust the third party also for a get. We answer no. The word get actually just means contract. A get nashim is a, is a document for divorce. So usually just for short we say get, but the word get really could mean any type of document. So over here it means and also for a document, right? If there's a document, some kind of a, a monetary document that is in the hands of a third party, like an IOU, so we will trust the third party and uh, in saying what, uh, you know, who's, uh, who, whose is this, who owes it, and uh, uh, what was it paid, and so on. So we're still talking about mamon. Okay, Vahatanya Fechen Lishtadot. Hold on, there's another Braita that says, and also for documents. So if it says Gitin and Shtarot, so Shtarot with monetary documents, Gitin must be Giten Nashim. So it must be that it is in fact that we trust the third party for a get regarding a get Nashim. And so we say, no, but these two these are different Baraitot altogether. Um, so the, if it was all in the same baraita that said then indeed you would have a you would have a serious challenge because shtarot would be money and gitin would be gitin um, ashim. But in fact, these are different baraitot; they're parallel, and so we could say they mean the same thing. One calls it shtarot, one calls it gitin, and so we resolve all of those challenges challenges to Rav Huna. Okay, next. Um, uh, now we're bringing in our Braita in conjunction with this discussion of believing a third party. That's why we have this whole sugya here. So our Mishnah says that a woman who said, um, uh, who, who, who claims, I appointed this person to be my messenger to receive it, um, and and if she says that, and but she doesn't have the get itself, so you need two sets of edim to say that, yes, she appointed, and another set of edim to say that the um, third party rec- the messenger received it and ripped it up. And so now we ask a question, why do you need witnesses? Why not believe the third party? The third party says, yes, I was, uh, I was appointed and I received it, right? Because so we just said, according to Rav Chista, a third party is believed to say, I was a messenger to receive it. Uh, but in this Mishnah, the third party is not believed by himself. We need two more sets of witnesses. So how can we explain this? So we explain that uh, it does the does the third party have a get that we should believe him in the case of Rav Chista and Rav Huna and their machloket the get exists the third party has the get and the question is did he receive it as a deposit or did he receive it as a shaliach and so there um, we believe him according to Rav Chista this is no I am a shaliach and I gave it to the uh, the wife so either it's in his hand or the wife's hand so then it physically exists and all we need is a 
claim to figure out did it get to her in a proper way. Um, so we don't need other witnesses in that case. In this, in our Mishnah here, the get does not exist. That's why we need witnesses as well. Okay, so now we know why we need witnesses. Batenach Ameda. I understand why we need witnesses that she appointed, in the case of the Mishnah, a get, uh, a shaliach le Kabbalah. Kibel lamali, why do you need a testimony, a, a witnesses, that the messenger received it also? Um, right? The fact that it would be enough to have witnesses, a second set of witnesses, to say we saw the shaliach have the get in his possession. As long as if either he has it in possession, that would be fine. Or if there's witnesses that say we saw him have it in, in his possession, then we can assume he received it. So we have testimony that he, was, he became a shaliach and that it was in his possession. Why do we need witnesses that, to see that he actually received it? You know, that it was transferred. Oh, this Mishnah must be the opinion of Rabbi Al-Azhar, who, say, who says that the get takes effect at the point of transmission, and you need witnesses to see the transmission. The witnesses that sign in the document are not sufficient, are not even necessary. So um, even if he gives it to her or gives it to the uh, messenger, if there are no witnesses there, it will not take effect. And so that's why you need that second set of witnesses. You always need that second set of witnesses, not as proof, not only as proof, but even to effectuate the divorce. Okay, Karat Lamali, last question. Why does it need to be, uh, uh, why, why was it torn in this case? Right, why did they tear it up? Amarav Yehuda Amarav, Bishat Hashemad Shanu. This Mishnah was written during a time of persecution when the government says, we're not allowing Gitin, we're not allowing any Jewish rituals, uh, any Jewish documents, uh, and therefore um, they had to, they did it secretly, and then they ripped it up so that they wouldn't be caught doing a Jewish ritual. Rabba says that even though Rav Huna, in a general case, will believe the husband that he gave it to this third party as a deposit, but if the wife says um, that the third party told me that the husband gave it to the third party as a get, then she she is believed. Even Ravuna, who usually believes the husband, will believe the messenger if the messenger says, I received it as a get, and the wife backs up that the messenger told that to her. So we ask, this is illogical. Can there be a case where we don't trust the third party himself, but we do trust the wife? How does the wife know? The wife only claims to know because the third party told her. So you don't believe the third party, but you do believe the wife who heard it from the third party? That doesn't make any sense. Ella, rather, um, this must be what um, Rabbah actually said. If the wife says, my husband gave it to the third party as a get, and I was there, I was present. Why didn't he give it directly to her? Who knows, whatever reason. But so she has a direct testimony, not that she only heard it from the third party. Now, she is believed because she is believed as a, because of amigo. She could have said, the husband gave it to me. And she would have been believed. Therefore, she should also be believed than when she says, my husband gave it to the third party as a get.
Okay, next case. Baal amar legerushin. Vishalish amar legerushin. Now, the husband and the third party are in agreement. Both agree that the husband um, gave a get to this messenger as, as a get for him to go and take shaliach leholacha. The problem is we don't ha- have proof that the agent actually delivered it to the, to the wife. So we go to the wife. Do you have the get? She says, no. He omeret natanli ve'avad. Yeah, he did give it to me, but I lost it. So what do we do in this case? Yochanan says we have to be machmir. This is about forbidden relations, and you need two witnesses. And we don't have two witnesses that she received it. Yes, we, we have two people saying that the husband gave it to the messenger, but we, have to, we need the rest of the story. How do we know that the messenger actually gave it to the wife? She doesn't have it with her. Okay. So now we ask, why? Why do we need, uh, how come we are machmir here? Why not believe the third party? The third party says, I was a messenger. He gave it to me as a get. So we answer, Does the third party have the get with him that he should be believed? If he has the get with him, then he can say, yes, I was appointed to be, let's say, a shaliach le Kabbalah, and see, I have it. Then that's trustworthy. Um, but if he doesn't have the get, then, that, then um, that's no proof. Um, so, okay, fine, the husband and he agreed that he was made a shaliach. Maybe he, so maybe we can believe that he received it, but just because he said he delivered it is not sufficient proof that he really did. Okay, why not trust the husband? He said, I gave, it to, I gave this get to this guy to give. So, after all, Rabbi Yochanan says, if a husband says, I divorced my wife, he is believed. So why not believe the husband to say uh, that she is divorced? We answer, No, but in this case, the husband doesn't claim that he, he followed through, through and divorced his wife. All he claims is, I took a get and I gave it to this messenger and told him to go deliver it. The husband doesn't know himself, doesn't testify that the that the third party messenger actually gave it to the wife. So Rabbi Yochanan is talking about a case where the husband says, I was there, I gave it directly to my wife, or I gave it to her and I verified that it, was, uh, that it, that it got there. Um, he came back to me and told me, right? So that, that in that case, the husband knows the whole process. Fine, we would believe him, but here he doesn't himself, he himself does not know the whole process. So that's not sufficient proof. Okay, why don't we rely on the Chazaka presumption that messengers generally fulfill their agency? Right, we can assume that. After all, we do assume that in the following case. Okay, look at this fun case. Um, a person says to a messenger, go and do Kiddushin for, with any woman, any woman that you want, right? I guess he really trusts this messenger. He says, listen, I don't want to deal with, uh, you know, dating and deciding, right? You go out, here's a coin, you give it to any, any woman you want and do Kiddushin. Now, this messenger goes out and he dies. We don't know and we can't ask him, right? Did, did you 
do kiddushin with anyone? Maybe yes, maybe no. If he, if yes, with whom? Who who's who's married to this guy now? So because we can't ask him, we have to assume that there's a presumption an agent does fulfill his agency. Therefore, we assume the agent went out and found some woman, Mrs. Friedman, maybe, and gave her a ring. Uh, she's single. The problem there is not that he could he could still could go marry somebody else because a man can be married to two women. The problem is that one if he is engaged, in fact, to this particular Mrs. Friedman, then he becomes prohibited to all the Mrs. Friedman's close family, her sisters, her mother, her daughters, and so on. And so the problem is that we're worried that the person who he, uh, this guy, will end up doing Kiddushin with is the sister or close relative of someone else who the Shaliach uh, um, gave the ring to. And so, uh, therefore, anyone who has a single relative, any single person who has a single relative, would be prohibited um, from uh, this person marrying, because who knows if that's the person. Anyway, the point is that even though the Shaliach died, we have a presumption that the Shaliach does his uh, bidding. And therefore, here too, why can't we just have an assumption that the Shaliach did his bidding? And uh, since um, everybody agrees that the Shaliach was made and appointed to be a Shaliach leholacha, um, and oh, so that, why can't we just trust that he in fact did so? Um, and, she, and therefore, she is permitted. As uh, so we answer, that hazaka that we assume that a, that a, um, a Shaliach did his bidding. Um, is only lechumra, like in the case we just saw, that that person assumes that he did kiddushin with someone, and that's going to make him prohibited to anyone related to anyone. Um, so that's done for chumra. But lekula to assume that the agent received the get and he delivered it, and therefore she is permitted to marry someone else. That would be for leniency. We don't apply that presumption for leniency. Now, Wait, why don't we believe the woman in this case? Again, the case is where the husband and the messenger both say we re, uh, that he gave him the get as a shaliach leholacha. And she says, I received it, but I lost it. We should believe her because of Rav Ham, Hamnunah's principle that a woman who says right to the face of her husband or ex-husband, you divorce me, she is believed because generally it wouldn't be, a woman would not be so insolent as to lie outright in front of her husband if in fact there was no get. Generally, a woman's not going to say, oh, you divorced me, right, and lie right to his face. Therefore, we do believe her. So why don't we believe also in this case? And the answer is very interesting. We only believe her and apply this principle that she would not be so insolent if there is no other supporting proof. There, not with, with zero proof, a woman who was not, did not receive a get is going to say, yeah, you gave me a get. No, nobody would lie to that extent. But, ironically, if there is some support, and here, in this case, there is some support because it is verified from the husband and the messenger that there was a get and the get was given to the messenger. In that case, even if she never received it, she may get, do half a lie. And I mean, it's a total lie, but um, she still, she may lie and be that insolent in front of her husband and said, yeah, I received it. 
because she's only lying about part of the process, not about the entire process. So since, ironically, since she has some support from the husband herself that there was, is in fact, there was, a, there was a get and it made it at, to the beginning, at the beginning of the journey. So she, a woman, would lie in, right in front of her husband to say that it made it to the end of the journey and therefore we cannot trust her in this case. All right, next Mishnah. You have a Na'ara, means a, a young girl between 12 and 12 and a half, so she's right in between a minor and an adult, and she was um, engaged. Um, he And now she's going to receive a divorce. Who is authorized to receive the divorce? For a minor girl, well, we'll talk about that in a second, uh, but generally the father would receive the divorce for a minor girl. For an adult, she receives it herself, not her father, but she's in between. So according to Tanakama, either the Nadama Orasa or her father can receive the get from the husband. Both are valid. says, no, you can't have two, two receivers of a get, right? It has to be one or the other. Rather, as long as she's a Kitana or Na'ara, only the father can receive it. She can only receive it once she becomes an adult. Now back to Tanakama, um, a, a, another general rule about a minor, anyone who cannot hold on to her get cannot receive the get. In other words, a child who's, um, I don't know, you know, very, very young, um, who can't hold on to things, right? You give a small child uh, something valuable, a $100 bill, and they don't hold on to it, right? They draw on it, they rip it up. And so anyone, and any small child who cannot um, keep something, safeguard something, um, also cannot receive her get, because that means she's too young to even understand that this is an important item and uh, and what and what this means. So in that case, only the father can. But once she's old enough that she can, she understands that there's something. If there's something valuable, I should hold on to it, safeguard it. Then she can receive her own get, even as a minor. Okay. Uh, what is the essence of the machloket regarding the naara between Tanakama and the biuda? Uh, the Tanakama says, yes, uh, Torah gives her an extra hand. When she was a kitana, her father received it for her. And now that she uh, becomes a naara, now her father, and she also has an extra hand, she can receive it herself. And Ryuda says, no, in, if the father is still around and has a right to receive it, then her hand is nothing, right? The father's hand is overpowering and um, you can't have two at the same time. If the father is there, then her, then she does nothing. Uh, okay, now regarding the minor, uh, how, you know, how old is this? So here's a Braita that elaborates on the Mishnah. A, a young, um, a minor girl who knows how to hold on to her get, she can receive the get, but if she, if she does not know how to safeguard it, she cannot. And um, and what does that mean? What's the definition of uh, someone, a, a girl, who can hold on to or safeguard her get? Anyone who can safeguard the get and something else. 
This is um, uh, this difficult. This language is difficult to parse. So we ask, my kamar. What do you mean? This uh, get and something else. Amar biochanan hachi kamar kol shemeshamet avad acher mechamat gita. It means anyone uh, a, a girl who can safeguard something else because of her bill of divorce. In other words, um, if she lost her bill of divorce, then she'll guard something else instead of it. She'll find some other piece of paper or newspaper or something and says, I know I'm supposed to hold on to something. So at least she's somewhat aware that there's some item that she has to hold on to and doesn't completely forget about it. Okay, that's the Biochana's interpretation of Mishamet Gita, the get, or something else that the, uh, this child uses in place of it. Uh, but Matkif La Rav Huna Bar Manoach Ha Shota Baalmahi. Rav Huna says, "Is this a trustworthy girl? This is an insane person, right? Only an insane person would say, oh, I lost this really important contract. So you know what? I'll go get a magazine and I'll hold on to that instead, right? It has, it has no ability to distinguish between the important thing and the unimportant thing. So that's not sufficient um, uh, knowledge to be able to receive a get. Ela Amar Rav Huna Bar Manoach Mishmed Rav Acha Bered Rav it means actually the opposite, that she can distinguish between the get and something else that's not important, right? Uh, even though you have two pieces of paper that look alike, she's a- able to know, oh, this is the get. I have to hold on to this, and this thing is just a drawing. I don't have to hold on to that. So that if she's old enough to distinguish, that then she's old enough to receive the get. Now, a more general law about minors being able to receive financial, um, uh, receive items that are of financial worth. Um, if you give a child a pebble and he throws it away, but when you give him a nut, he keeps it. So that means he knows how to distinguish between something worthless and something that's worth something. That if a, if a child is old enough, he can pass that test, then he's able to acquire something on his own behalf, but not yet to acquire something on behalf of other people. Right? He knows the value of things, but he still may not know fully the value of ownership that uh, he can value, understand the value of ownership for himself. Oh, this is valuable. I want to keep it. But he can't, still can't, uh, is not going to understand the value that he can receive something on behalf of someone else. That takes a lot more uh, development for it to be able to think about you know, someone else's ownership and that he can acquire something on behalf of someone else. An adult, of course, can do that. An adult, if I see a watch on the street and I say, oh, this watch, you know what? My friend would really like it. I acquire it on behalf of my friend. It belongs to my friend. But that requires um, more, more uh, psychological development. Now, if that same child passes the next test, if a child, you give uh, something to a child that belongs to someone else, and then that child, after a while, returns it to that person, then he understands the concept of ownership also for others. And in that case, he would be able to um, uh, uh, acquire something on behalf of someone else. Good. But when Rav Yudah said this in the na- uh, uh, to his teacher, Shemuel, Shemuel said, no, it's all the same. Both in this case and that case, a child can acquire something for himself, but not for, other, for someone else. Even if 
he takes something that belongs to someone else and he is able to return it to that person, still that does not mean that a minor can actually make an acquisition and, and uh, effectuate a transaction to receive something on behalf of someone else. A minor can only receive something for himself. Mativ Rav Chinena Vardan Ravchinenavardan is going to challenge Shemuel from a Mishnah in Eruvin. Mishnah Eruvin is talking about a Mavoy. You have a common courtyard, a common alleyway, right? A big alleyway with many courtyards all around, and people want to carry on Shabbat within that common alleyway. So you have to put, you have to have common food in one of the alleyways um, in uh, a common meal so that everybody then is joining together all of those areas. Now, the hard way to do this would be to go to each and every uh, resident and say, okay, you here, give me a piece of bread, give me a piece of bread, and join them all together. That's really what you have to do. But that would be annoying. Instead, what you can do is one person can take a barrel of food, of wine, and he can um, and he can transfer possession on behalf of anybody else. How do you do that? You can't just declare this is everybody's. You have to actually do a transaction. Um, we do this today, once a year uh, before Pesach. We happen to do it, but you could do it any time. We take a box of matzah, and one person um, gives it to someone else and says, "Acquire this on behalf." of all the people that live in this entire neighborhood in the whole Eruv. Everyone will have a share in this matzah. We use matzah because it lasts all year. Um, so a person can do that. The chidush of this Mishnah is that a person can do it even with his own son or daughter, as long as they're adults. So then the father can say, here, take this and uh, receive it on behalf of everybody else. He can also use his servant or maidservant his, uh, who are Jews, who are Jews, Ivri uh, or Shifcha Ivriya. All right, that's the Mishnah. Now we're going to analyze, and see, this is the question will be based on this analysis. Ha Shifcha Hechidame, what kind of maidservant is this? If she has two hairs, meaning she's an adult, then what is she still doing with this master? A Hebrew maidservant goes free once she becomes an adult. She, she'll be married to the, to, to the um, uh, ma- uh, master, or if he doesn't want to marry her, he has to, she, she goes free. Rather, it must be that she's a minor. And so here you have a Jewish minor, and yet it's permitted for the uh, father, the or master, to give her this barrel of wine and say, acquire it on behalf of others. And therefore, we learn from this Mishnah that a minor, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about a two-year-old, uh, a minor who understands um, the difference between something valuable and ownership and can receive something and return it back to its owner, um, that person who is a minor can, um, uh, uh, can receive something on behalf of other people, uh, which was what, uh, that was the previous law, uh, said Rav Yehuda, but this is a challenge to Shemuel that said, in all cases, a minor cannot receive on behalf of other people. So how are we going to answer this? The answer is The whole concept of joining alleyways together is all a rabbinic law. Since it's a rabbinic law, the rabbis are mekel. And they say, yeah, it's okay. You can use a minor 
for this purpose. But when it comes to something that would be the oraita, then a minor would not be able to receive an item on behalf of someone, some, someone else. Amad ishtik Vardan. Rav said that Vardan had no answer to this, right? Vardan's the one that challenged it. And the answer was, oh, it's only, um, uh, my voice is only drabanan. And so Vardan, he says, oh, I guess you're right. Uh, my voice is only drabanan. So we have no answer um, uh, to, to this, and we can't compare it to other cases. Now, why are you uh, blaming uh, Vardan that, oh, he was quiet? What could he have said? Right? What could have been his defense? And the answer is, called the tikkun drabanan. We have a principle that even when the rabbis make uh, an innovation, uh, a gezerah or takana, they always do it in a way that's similar to a Torah law. They don't make new models out of the blue. They'll just extend a model that is a Doraita law and say, you know what, we'll apply it also in this case. And so um, even though the whole thing, the whole concept of mavoi, shituf mevoot is the rabbanan, and they say, okay, everybody has to have joint ownership, when they talk about joint ownership, they're going to say you have to um, uh, acquire ownership in a deoraita way. Um, even though the rabbis, since they're making the law in the first place, they could make anything, but they don't make it any, in any way. They use a deoraita model, and therefore we can prove from the Mishnan Eruvin that, in fact, a minor can receive uh, an item on behalf of someone else in all laws, even in Doraita laws, even though this is a Dorabanan law, the rabbis make their Dorabanan laws like Doraita laws, and if a minor maidservant can receive something in this, in, uh, regarding Mavoy, that means they can, can also receive something on behalf of someone else, even in Doraita laws. And so that's how um, Rav Chinena of Vardonia can defend himself. Now, Ve'idach, Haba Shemuel, what could he respond back to that? When do we apply this principle that whatever the rabbis enact, they do it like a deoraita? That's only something that is rooted in the Torah itself. For example, there's one opinion that says masa nowadays, when there is no korban pesach, the obligation deep masa is only the rabbanan. So does that mean that you can be lenient regarding the details of masa? No, since the rabbis extended and says even when there's no korban pesach, you still have to eat masa mid rabbanan. So once the obligation still exists, even though it's mid rabbanan, you still have to fulfill it in all the ways that you would if it were the oraita. That's when we extend we use this principle um, when it has a root in the Torah. But something that has no root in the Torah, for example, eruv and mavoi, shitu. This is a complete rabbinic enactment creation from scratch. Um, if it's uh, since it has no root in the Torah, therefore, as Shemuel argues, the rabbis can uh, or can be lenient, are lenient, and they say for this purpose we can allow a minor maidservant to receive the um, the the wine barrel on behalf of everybody else. But otherwise, in any other law, in any Doraita law or any Rabbanan law that is like a, that is rooted in Doraita law. That would not be valid. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.